0: From gaming companies to social media platforms, various scams, policy violations, or straight up financial fraud are perpetrated by bad actors with location spoofing tools. But the days in which they're able to easily spoof location data has come to an end because the platforms are now leaning on the right solutions to detect this. Location spoofing detection and address verification are among the two most powerful tools to help fraud fighters with several different use cases from account takeovers to identifying synthetic identity fraud and many other types of scams. So I had the conversation with Joe Midling, who is a director of sales engineering at Incognit and Morgan Grendy, who leads customer success for our team. So you can learn the ins and outs of many of the use cases encountered by them on applying location spoofing detection and address verification to multiple industries. So they talk about some of the new implementations and real-life examples of how location spoofing detection and real-time address verification can halt many policy abuse and fraud schemes. I hope you enjoy this webinar. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Andre Farras co-founder and CEO at Incognit. Welcome to Trust and Safety Mavericks, a show focused on topics related to online trust and safety and riding the next big wave. Welcome. One of the, the key topics for this conversation is really to get deeper on the location spoofing The idea is to talk a little bit more about gaming specifically and the applications of location spoofing for that industry was looking to solve. That'd be a great way to start.
1: We had a gaming customer come to us about a year ago um, with a very specific problem, actually two problems. The one we're focused on for this discussion was really around the core problem that they identified was location spoofing. And so for some background, this application. It's a skill-based application, skill-based gaming application consisting of games like uh, Rummy was was one is one of their core games they offer within their gaming app. And they had a challenge where they believed that there was some location spoofing present and going on with their very large user base in Southeast Asia. I think at the time they were around 20 million monthly active users. And just based on some of the results of users and... You know other attributes that they could piece together in in really a retroactive way they identified that they there was collusion going on and that was the term that they were very specific with within their game where users were pairing up and spoofing their location to essentially team up against another player that did not know this was happening so let's say you have three players are sitting in a in a card room within the mobile app two of those users have spoofed their location so they appear to be in different cities or not related whatsoever and then they play against a third player that that does not know this is happening you can team up you can collude and um fraudulently you know gain a lot of funds and winning from that engagement so they believe this was happening they didn't know the scale the size any of those sorts of things so they came to incognia as we're experts in the space and we conducted a thorough POV over about a month long period looking at their user base and specifically focusing on location spoof detection and comparing our observations of their whole user base in a production scenario against what they've detected or what they detected during that time. What we found was incognito detected it was roughly twenty-two times the number of location spoofing incidents of their users in that thirty day period that they were were self-reporting, once again based on a retroactive fraud analysis of their users and patterns. So very successful evaluation and then um You know, we've been serving them for about a year now and I'll pass it over to Morgan to offer some additional thoughts on their production implementation.
2: Thanks, Joe. Yeah, so when we moved into production, we structured a couple of customized, what you could call watch lists. Um, Not only were we monitoring the GPS spoofing that was occurring, obviously this was a new piece of information for them, but also when devices were accessing multiple accounts, and when, multi- when accounts were being accessed by multiple devices, as well as density within a certain location. So as Joe described, players were colluding by sitting in the same room and entering the same gaming room virtually, and therefore they were basically cheating the system and cheating out the other legitimate players. They also were able to block users based on density within a specific location. So we worked with this gaming company to set a specific radius and then to set device thresholds within that radius. So whenever the maximum was achieved, all of the devices within that radius were flagged as high risk. And this client was using our signal and these various watch lists in um, combination with their player Behavior analytics, as well as transaction data, so these three components, Incognia, and these t- two other pieces of data, they were combining into customized machine learning models, and that was enabling them, or rather, is enabling them to block bad actors within their platform and and make it safer for legitimate players.
0: Cool. Yeah, this analysis around uh, density is, is is really interesting. I have two questions about it. The first one is. Did you see any cases in which in these locations there was a like very high frequency of these type of events? Like people were doing this on a, a recurring basis, gaming the system and, and making money out of that? Or was it just like spot situations like here and
1: there, but uh, you didn't see any any like repetitive pattern? So speaking for the POV evaluation, when we worked with them, it was actually something that our analysis team brought to their attention it was something we started to look out during the pov as we were now analyzing the location data location patterns of their users and we go very deep in analysis when we we work with our customers really because the way we look at location is very different so the type of signal we can deliver it very often opens up a lot of other use cases as morgan's talked about in this case with suspicious locations as as they call them and, and fraud farms so we were really focused on just looking at the overall scale of users. And so we actually, I think in the POV evaluation, we set a threshold of high-density locations within a Precision 8 geo hash. So that's about 30 by 20 meters, if memory serves me right, and looking for activity within those tight coordinates of 20 or more devices. So if we see a device checking in from those locations and it exceeds that threshold of 20 devices, or that's how we analyze it during the POV, we would flag that device as as coming from a high density or suspicious location. And then you can, of course, combine that with other types of watch lists like accessing excessive number of accounts or spoofing location altogether. So you can really start to stack these different types of analysis together to get a much clearer picture and pinpoint those devices that are um, committing fraudulent behavior. And we actually saw some instances where they were coming from cell phone stores, right? So places where you would have a lot of devices available to, you know, put together a fraud farm at scale, which is really the, the definition. So short answer is in the POV, we were really looking at the scale. And, you know, in terms of the other question, you know, I'm not sure how that's manifested on the customer side around, you know, behavior and, and other things um, since then. Interesting. Yeah, that, that sounds like a more profitable
0: business thing than selling mobile devices. Interesting.
2: One more thing, though, that I wanted to mention was, as Joe was touching on, as part of the POV process, our customers are often uncovering challenges that they didn't necessarily know that they were being faced with, or rather, a new way to define the challenges that they're being faced with. And so in the event where we were seeing, you know, devices logging into multiple accounts, this, I think, was really enlightening to them and they actually asked us to build an additional feature to help them actually build a device to account to location mapping um, so that they could understand how many repeat offenders were still um, colluding on their platform and be able to take more of like a risk-based Approach to blocking because they wanted to ensure that they weren't creating. Uh, they wanted to be sure that they were blocking bad actors, right? And so, by being able to look back and pull that data from Incognia and use that in a manual review with some of the other transaction and and behavior data, they now feel really confident when making those blocking decisions.
0: That's pretty interesting. Like, I think one of the big challenges with location spoofing, more specifically, is that. It's the kind of problem that you usually don't know you have, right? In this case, this gaming company, they were suspicious about that. And and they decided to come after us to test it for them. But in many cases on the surface for a customer, like the the problem might just be more traditional type of problem. Like, oh, there are a lot of synthetic accounts being created, right? Or the, there are a lot of account takeovers happening right now, but on the surface, it, it looks like a distributed problem, right? You have a lot of people doing that. When you uncover things like location spoof and you're able to find, for example, these places with high density of devices doing pretty much the same thing, you can then understand that this is like highly concentrated in a handful of people that are that found a way to game the system in in this case this
1: gaming app. just to add on to that, Andre, I think you know part of what is a clear pattern is most customers they've some have disregarded others you know use location or traditional location like ip gps other traditional location related signals because there's a lack of precision there's some security issues with different signals in different ways it hasn't been thought of as a as such a core signal for a long time by customers and that's something that customers once we get into pov and and we analyze not only the location but then the location tied to the device so these two core components of our intelligence together are really powerful. You could start to then really narrow in on the fraudsters, but also that allows you, which I know this is both the point of this discussion, but it also allows a whole lot of opportunity with good users because conversely, good users are, are very trustworthy in terms of their location, their devices, those sorts of things. So it really solves both sides of the problem. So I just, you know, as you were talking about that, I wanted to to mention that just in terms of, you know, the, the light bulb that goes on as we work with customers in a POB. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what
0: usually happens. Like we start a POV. The goal is to detect location spoofing. And just like this one, right, we start finding a lot more things. It's really interesting. It's it's basically a new dimension of data to analyze the user and look into what's going on in regards to fraud. It's kind of like when you don't know, you have a, a problem with your vision and you wear glasses for the first time. And it's like, wow, I can see a lot more now. I had that kind of feeling a few years ago. Pretty amazing. So, yeah, one of the questions I have here is in regards to the high density locations, like uh, with this gaming company. Did we find any like situation in which there was a specific
1: location with a like bizarre number of devices being used? Uh yeah. So that it was it was actually. Um just to be able to go through this analysis it was you know we were looking at this type of data for the first time for this customer and so it was it was really enlightening what we found was as i mentioned we defined suspicious locations for this customer and this is customizable based on different customers business needs and, and what makes sense for their users but for the case of this gaming company we defined precision 8 geo geohash that was 38 by 19 meters so during the 30-day pov process we analyzed about 9 million distinct hash locations across their the markets that they cover. So 9 million, you know, 38 by 19 meter boxes, essentially. And what we identified the threshold for suspicious in, in their case was locations with 20 or more devices emanating from them. I believe it was within a, a 24, 48 hour period. And so with that, we identified it was approximately 9,000 devices generated location events from 468 geo hash. Locations and that was uh, associated with about 11,000 accounts. And so that, that high number, so once again, 21 was the threshold, but we identified 39 geo hashes with 50 plus devices emanating from them, 11 with 100 plus, and then we found one geo hash with 300 plus devices emanating from it in that short period. So, you know, very specific and those thresholds are customizable. So it, it gives customers flexibility to maybe watch list certain locations versus. You know, if you're if it's 300 plus devices, that's very much a red flag, right? So you can treat those differently, even within those thresholds. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Just quick curiosity: was the location with 300 devices the cell phone store? Yes. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. 300 devices in a single place, spoofing GPS to game a Remy game. It's yeah. I wonder what else they do with. with that number of of smartphones so i wanted to switch a bit to a a different topic here which is more around address verification we also have worked with companies trying to solve this particular problem most companies today they use more of a, a traditional like database approach they would like buy data from like telcos and other providers like credit bureaus for example to check your name against an address right but we know that this is not really the most reliable form of address verification because most of this data is out there in the wild because of the, the recent data breaches. So anyone with access to that type of information could eventually create an account using your name, your address, and be verified. So some customers are adopting our location solution as a way to verify addresses more precisely. And I wanted to ask you like more in general, like, what do you think are, are the main differences between like the traditional database approach and leveraging location data? And then on top of that, like what's the, the importance of location spoofing detection here when, when it comes to this use case?
2: I'll kick off this one. So the customer that you were referring to, or rather several customers using this solution, typically the database providers, like phone number intelligence or email intelligence, can only get them so far. And another layer of complexity is when they are expanding globally, these rates go down significantly. And no company wants to have a provider for this flow in every single country managing that is really resource intensive and costly. And so they were looking for a solution that could be globally applicable as they had quite lofty goals for European expansion. So um, that is one difference, I would say. Also, you know, it, it's real time. We are collecting the data and matching behavior to the address that we're provided in real time. So I think it's a much better signal of trust or risk. So it's an important layer, even on top of a more standard um, database check. So we're able to really close the gap. I think what they had was about seventy percent verification before we were implemented, and and we're really have been able to bring them around ninety percent. So that's been really successful, and then we're viewed as a strategic partner for them as they expand globally.
1: Yeah, I'd also say just um, as Morgan was going through that, it's important to point out for you know whoever's watching this to think about your business and, you know, the type of business that you run, the type of the app you run. So where this has been most effective right now in terms of leveraging incognia for address validation and onboarding has been in location-based apps and apps that aren't, you know, what that means is apps that aren't regulated by things like KYC, which are much more stricter compliance in terms of what you need to do to verify a user. So in scenarios where you know, because it's the nature of the app, you have some sort of KYC light or onboarding process that is not full identity verification, as you know that the modern term is. This is a really nice solution to be able to validate users very quickly and in a frictionless way. You can use this information as, as once again, as Morgan mentioned, this is real-time presence, and what we've seen is the stats she just shared about that customer. That's what we see across most of our customers is a high percentage of of users are onboarding from their, from trusted locations, from their home addresses, right? So that's something to take advantage of. And then that could be leveraged for ongoing use cases because you establish that trust with users and onboarding, and then you can use that signal for authentication and transactions, et cetera. So just wanted to to mention that as you're thinking about, you know, what we're talking about in terms of the the different way to onboard and, and validate user addresses, that it needs to make the right sense for your your business and what you're, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Yep. That's a
0: good point. We see here that like location spoofing detection can add a lot of benefits to a business, right? It can streamline the onboarding process, can enable these companies to go global more quickly by verifying addresses in a more scalable way. It can help detect collusion fraud, account takeover fraud, synthetic identity fraud. So why do you believe that companies are not being able to detect location spoofing? Like, where do you think is is the big gap here for mobile applications?
2: I think it's around which signals are being leveraged. So traditionally, the ability to spoof location was built out of a feature for developers that the operating systems created, right? So they needed to be able to test how the app was functioning, simulating how the app was functioning in different markets, different features of the app. And, and so out of that was born this industry of GPS spoofing, but it's in the title, right? They're They're spoofing the GPS that is coming from the operating system and delivered to the application if you leverage other signals from the mobile device, and that's what incognia does best and really sets us apart, you can see through that mask and so to speak, so you can tell when the signals are not coordinated as a tip, an indication of risk in a transaction. So I'll see if Joe wants to expand a little bit more on that concept. but yeah, the the broad strokes are are leveraging different signals, such as Wi-Fi. Um, Bluetooth as well.
1: Yeah, that's right, Morgan. And then just to take a step back or uh, widen the lens a little bit, what most organizations are doing is most organizations have a lot of different fraud signals and identity signals. Some of them older than others that they're you know trying to apply as you know the world moves moves along and applications move. And so device fingerprinting has been a, a core signal for a long time. And then independent of that have been other types of location signals like IP like GPS, in some cases, Wi-Fi. Um, and so these have been two independent signals that organizations have largely had to try to you know, join together, integrate together, and then make decisions with signals from two different places that, that don't have a relationship. And so one thing that we do is we anchor our location signals in all the ways and the precision around those, which is very unique, all the ways Morgan described and we've talked about. But then anchoring that to a concept of device trust is really important. So then you can We can trust that location signal very precise very secure Um, and so then it becomes a much richer signal that can be used for decisioning and so i think that's one one thing that we do quite different what customers have typically done just i think this was probably the direct question on the location side up to this point in detecting location spoofing has really been reactive so they're looking for anomalies either in transactions and using some of the other payment data or device data they have and, and they they see that something's wrong with the behavior of users and so they think because it's oftentimes, maybe it's in a food delivery app or ride hailing, it's likely attributed to location spoofing, but there's, there's no real way to detect that at scale and with precision. And so they come to us with this opaque problem that we then can really give them clarity around, but then all these other opportunities arise from that. So I think most customers have tried to do this in a homegrown way and it's just really hard to scale.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, every week there is a a new GPS spoofing app out there that we need to map. Uh, Every week there is a new app tempering technique that processors start leveraging. So, yeah, really challenging. You have to have a dedicated team like focusing on that all the time. Otherwise, you'll be, yeah.
2: I mean, that's what we do. We let our customers focus on their business and and we stay up to date on the fraud that's new every day, I think. You know, homegrown solutions can only get you so far. And I think maintaining them is also distracting and and resource intensive. And so, yeah, we're proud to deliver that.
0: Would real-time address verification have a trust and safety use case too?
2: Yes. One of our clients is a social media application. And what's unique about their verification process is that they want to ensure that the new users should be in the appropriate content category within the application. So they should be able to view content based on where they live, specifically um, on a neighborhood-based level. And for them, they view this as a trust and safety issue on on several different levels. One is maintaining the integrity of, of the platform. And that means ensuring that users know who they're talking to and ensuring that they're talking to legitimate other users who are from their community. Um, another one is, is ensuring that the content that is being posted is trustworthy. And obviously the, the root of that is, is the user trustworthy? Are they who they say they are? And all these social media platforms have a lot of a lot of impact these days. if you think about how you know Facebook and, and other social media platforms are influencing elections around the world, making sure that misinformation is not being spread to the best of their abilities is really important and that falls under trust and safety. And so new signals like um, incognito's location identity are, are helping to provide more insight and a window into users when there's no other data available.
1: And, and maybe I'll just add add on that directly. So the the team that is using us for in, in Morgan's example there is trust and safety. So it's it's a trust and safety use case directly with this social media. And and what's interesting is their focus is really so they've had they have to and and most organizations do have an onboarding waterfall to verify users. And so we've been as we've gotten into partnering closer and closer with them, you know, our signals near the top in their onboarding flow now. And I think the quote that that I heard from one of their lead trust and safety partners was, you've been able to help us supercharge our onboarding process. So it's really, we've allowed them to more quickly, much more quickly verify good users. And they're, they're confident in our signal where they can verify good users just based on name, email, and then opt into location one time and they're verified and they're in and they have a high degree of confidence in our signal that we're onboarding good users because one of the core missions as they see it is to ensure integrity on their platform and integrity of of the locations that they support and so we found a really nice fit there and, and it's really opened up a lot of additional use cases as you think about other similar types of companies that are location-centric, serving a lot of different needs, and um, the value of the signal from onboarding all the way through other
2: use cases. And if you think about, let's see, like um, home rentals, right? Or like the, the sharing economy. Listings need to be verified. And one way that, that that can happen is by measuring the devices that are are showing up at a listing, for example. So think like an Airbnb, home away. Uh, Verbo. So there are, are definitely use cases, trust and safety use cases in those business models as well. And what's interesting is across industries, the use cases have the same core, but they're always talked about differently. Different terminologies used to describe them. The problem owners talk about them in different ways based upon the industry. So yeah, that's been really keeps it interesting for sure and really interesting for us as a team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, by the way on the on the vacation rental space, I was a victim of this. I booked a place, got there, spent probably 2 hours trying to find the location. The house wasn't there basically. <laughs> Had to book a hotel. It was like in in the middle of the night, so it was was a terrible experience. Got my money back, but the the vacation rental platform certainly lost their their money because of that scam. So so yeah, that's, that's a real problem that can affect real people. Another example of a, of a trust and safety use case related to location spoofing, not only address verification is, for example, in the election interfering case, when a nation state actor wants to interfere, like they, they certainly don't want to be spotted, right? They, they don't want to reveal their, their actual location because then this would create diplomatic problems between them and the country that's being attacked. So... Certainly location spoofing is a tool used in these type of situations. If you're able to detect location spoofing, you can then detect from which country or, or which location that attack is coming from. So that's key intelligence for countries really to understand what's going on and, and help support these social media platforms to prevent these type of issues.
2: And the same challenge, well, a similar challenge exists with with sanctions, right? Financial institutions need to make sure from regulatory standards that they're not onboarding customers from countries on on those watch lists. So an increasingly complex geopolitical climate, that is really important as well. And and bad actors are using these spoofing techniques to get around those compliance regulations as well.
0: Yeah, there is a, another question here, which is why, why do we think companies keep verifying listings and user content? instead of trying to block bad actors um, and act on the, the root of the problem. Well, maybe I could, could take a first on this one. I think the key issue here is that most of these companies, they don't really know about this problem, right? They, they don't know that location spoofing is something that can really affect them. And until they realize that location spoofing is a problem, they believe that these attacks are more distributed than they really are. There's usually a high concentration, usually fraudsters and scammers, they operate from the same location. They, they have a physical place, like the fraud farm is stationary, right? And until you find that you're not able to connect the dots about like these multiple identities, these multiple accounts that were created by this bad actor. So yeah, that's what happens today. Like most social media companies, they spend a lot of time, like just identifying suspicious content, like removing that content sometimes banning the user but then the next thing the user does is they they'll create a new account right you, you can't create a new email in less than five minutes right if you're able to do that you're able to create an account in most social media platforms that's the only thing you need like an, an email address um i a new, so
2: device too.
0: I'm yeah. new device, and
2: where do you go from there right like w- those are the two core traditional signals um and i think we are seeing challenges that require a new one a new link.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah. It'd be I think this one, this is a good question and, and one that's become much more content moderation and and that challenge that's really kind of across society now. It, it's much more on the consciousness and and so I think it's uh, it's interesting. But a few a few thoughts here. It kind of speaks to trust and safety's broad remit as they you, they you think about what trust and safety teams within organizations have to try to solve for and with respect to content moderation it's like the traditional approach with cyber security you need to take these organizations need to and they do take a layered approach right you can't moderate all the content that's just not possible and even if you could a bad actor or somebody that's trying to you know put hateful things or, or bad content on a platform you wouldn't know that person when they first showed up on your platform right there's a there's a first time so there's, it needs to be solved at multiple different layers. And and what's typically happened is I think a lot of trust and safety organizations have gone to the content moderation because that's a big problem to solve and one that's very challenging. And a lot of them are are doing a good job and there's different levels there, but that where there's an opportunity, uh, we believe is solving it at the identity, you know, the identity layer and identifying good users. But the catch there is doing that in as frictionless as a way as of a way as possible. And so what a lot of identity verification solutions require is a is a decent amount of friction that just don't make sense for social media platforms, et cetera. So, you know, you're looking for ways to verify identities, verify good users, identify repeat fraudsters and you know bad actors in as easy of a way as possible. And so that's just there's been a competing, you know, there's been some push and pull there because of the types of solutions out there to solve this problem. So we think there's an opportunity there as well to um, just as Morgan described, how we're solving address verification for you know location-based social media. That's really broadly applicable and be very frictionless in, in that process. And then that's, again, one layer to help ensure integrity on a platform, good users, and identifying repeat fraudsters. And even something like um, we have a feedback API that allows customers to report traditional fraud to us. We can use that for decisions in future interactions with devices and users. Um, that could be done the same way in terms of, you know, social media platforms with users who might be posting bad content, you know, you can give that information to us and we can use that again to re-identify those users in those locations their next time around.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Trust and Safety Mavericks. Subscribe to our show to be notified about every new episode and follow Incogni and me, for Us on LinkedIn and Twitter.